On today's show, we talk to a young woman who has concerns about her sexual values and her friends giving her a hard time. We talk about how to change your habits after weight loss. And we talk about how to celebrate the life of one twin when the other one passes away. Stay tuned. What's up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. So glad you're here. There's about 8,900,000 billion podcasts you could be listening to, and you chose this one. We're so grateful that you're here. Thanks for walking alongside us as we talk through relationships and mental health challenges and schooling stuff and parenting stuff and marriage, all of it, right? If you want to be on this show, if you want to help out a whole bunch of people who are listening and you want to get my advice, which is worth about what you're going to pay for it, and that is not a lot, um, free most of the time, give us a call at 1-844-693-3291. That's 1-844-693-3291. Leave a message and Kelly will call you back. Or if you want to use the internet, go to johndeloney.com slash show, fill out the form, and it will go to Kelly. All right, so we need to have a family discussion here, James, Kelly, Zach, you're already smiling. Listen, so I've been going to counseling lately, and these sessions are getting long and intense, and not intense as though we're camping, but intense like, whoa. And see, I just did it right there. I, when I get uncomfortable, or I get stuck, or I don't know where to go next, I usually look to the people around me, and I make jokes at their expense so that I can use that joke moment as a springboard into whatever's coming next. So, for instance, on this show, I'm terrible at intros and outros. And so I will look into the booth and see your two beautiful shining faces. I can see Zach out of the corner of my eye. He's usually on checking email or something, so it's all good. So I just did it right there. <laughs> I just did it. Zach, you're handsome and lovely, and you're working hard in there on like 80 different screens. And I don't know how to do it. And so, listen, it's out of insecurity that I make jokes at y'all's expense all the time. There's Jim King walking through. I'm about to make a joke at his expense, and I'm not going to, right? I can't help it. He's a board member here at the office. And so I think it's important to let everybody know y'all are like my friends. We eat lunch together. We hang out. So I'm sorry for using y'all as like springboard to get me from one thing to another. I need to A, be okay with transitions. And if I want to have a better intro, maybe I can practice by myself, like a professional, like an adult. Or I could just make our jokes not known to all of America. <laughs> like Kelly's shirt right now. I'm just... <laughs> I Number Excuse one, me? we made a joke about your shirt earlier and I was calling it back to a private joke that I made off air. I wasn't trying just do that then. Your shirt is uh -huh. awesome. Yeah, this is going well. <laughs> but just so you know, I do the same thing when I don't know what to say or whatever if I make a snarky comment. So how do we how do we keep joy in the world but take out some of the snark? I feel like the whole world's gone snark, man. It's to ask me, you and James, how we put more joy in the world seems so <laughs> Off color. I mean, it just does seem so off brand. I would ask Zach, but he just responds to thumbs up and downs. <laughs> they don't even give him a microphone. I mean, it's it's fun. People like the snark, but I think people should know that we are friends and that we do actually like each other. 
and that the snark is all in jest, and that most of the time it's because we don't really know what's coming next on the show, and we're just <laughs> fumbling as we go. And then I got a thumbs up from Zach just then. That's so good. All right, so... James has said he'd been to your house, and I just got a little hurt, so... Well, number one, he paid. Number two, right? He wow. Didn't. That was a snark. See, I don't know what to say. <laughs> there we go. All right, I'm going to go ahead and say we're moving we are, on. First caller, That's here a little we go. bit snarky. We're moving on. Let's go to New York... New York, and go to Kaylee in New York, New York. How's it going, Kaylee? Hi, John. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for taking my call. Outstanding. I'm doing well. Thanks for calling. So what's up? How can I help? So I'm 21 years old, and I've been in a relationship with a really amazing guy now for two years. Um, The thing is, ever since I was younger, I always had this moral that I should not have sex until marriage. And um, I've been getting a lot of backlash from uh, basically all my friends and anyone who finds this out saying, you know, no guy would go two years without sex like this. And it's been really making me question the situation so much more. Like I, you know, I just, all I know is I don't want to lose him. Mm -hmm. That's, I'm not really sure what to do from this point on like I, I don't know is, is, it, is it fine if it gets to three four years like how long is really too long oh man that's a great question so what yeah. what what put this this sexual ethic in your head years ago when you were little um basically every woman in my family has done this uh, and not only just that but uh just sort of like the reasoning behind it you know knowing like it, you, it, I've seen my friends also like really the distractions that can come from sex and um, like how you can really get to know a person better without that. Okay, it, it can make you blind type of thing, and I feel like relationships are so much more than that. And very cool. So my initial thought is this: mm-hmm. your body is your body, mm-hmm. and your values are your values. Mm-hmm. I don't care what any of your friends say. Mm-hmm. Your, your, what you choose to do with you is your choice. And um, if these friends of yours loved you and were in your corner, they may give you grief. That's what friends do, right? They may laugh and carry on, but they're not going to demean your values, whatever they happen to be, right? Mm-hmm. They may give you their friend advice, which for all 21-year-olds is about (laughs) worth what you pay for, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So you tell me this guy's amazing and he's been with you for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Is he pressuring you too? How do those conversations go? Sorry, is he what? Is he pressuring you too? Or how are those conversations going? Yeah, so he actually really doesn't. That's the thing I also feel bad about is... Like, not even one, just the backlash, but two, I just feel like at this point, like, after two years, and also, I've actually known him since grade six. We've Mm -hmm. been best friends all throughout high school. Like, I feel like I know him at this point. He's such a good guy. And, like, it's also just the fact of, oh, my God, he's such a good guy. He never pressures me. He Mm -hmm. never asks for it type thing. And it's like, so why aren't I doing it at this point? why Why are you creating drama where there doesn't appear to be any? You appear to have some firm values that you've carried for as long as you can remember, and at some level are generational or legacy, right? Mm-hmm. They're not the norm, and that doesn't make them weird or wrong. That makes them impressive as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then you're with somebody who, who cherishes your values, even when they're hard. 
And so it sounds like things could not be drawn up better. And there's some sort of discomfort here where you are starting to create fire where there is none. Yeah. Yeah. So are you going to, are you going to marry this guy? Are y'all having those conversations yet? Yeah. Like sort of, the thing is right now we're really young and like first, you know, he talks about wanting a solid career, like financial independence. And, uh, but he does make remarks like, Oh, when I marry you, this or Mm -hmm. lifelong goals, we talk a lot about, but the thing is, I know I'm not going to marry him anytime soon. Wait, what you've, you've known him. Okay. You are young. Fair. You're, you're young. But you've known this cat since you were in sixth grade. Yeah, yeah. So at some point, there's some magic arbitrary number, some age out there, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't know what what you're aiming for when it comes to numbers. You're not going to get to know him any better, are you? No, I don't think so. You're not going to have any wild, like, I got to get my clubbing years out of my life, right? This doesn't sound like you. Yeah. Um, financial independence is a myth, right? That's not like a thing. Mm-hmm. Like he still lives with his parents, though. Yeah, that's probably not going to work out, right? <laughs> you, probably, <laughs> you probably don't want that. Um, no. But, but all that to say is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be wholly, strongly, and firmly committed to whatever your values are. Your body is your body is your body. And your dumb friends in college don't get a vote. This guy loves you. He's known you and loved you for a long, 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 long time. And he's all in on your values. Good for him and good for you. Don't create drama here where there's none. And, man, I would really sit down and think through what spend the rest of your life with this guy's going to look like. I don't know what else you're looking for or what else you think is going to come up in the next one, two, three, five years that you're just going to wait for. I don't, I don't know what you're looking for. It's not like you're going to get to know him better. It's not like you're going to um, have to learn to trust. You've known this guy forever, right? Now, he does have to move out of his parents' house, and so he could do that sooner rather than later. In some situations, I tell folks, man, you should really take some time. Really take some time to get to know somebody before you marry him. Other times, man, my friend Rachel here, she got married super young. Was it hard? Of course it is. I got married relatively young, and it was super hard. And my friends who got married late, super hard. It's just going to be hard. Don't get married just so y'all can sleep together. But also, don't put it off. Just so you can say we put it off. Just so we could say we got married when we weren't so young. At some point, that age is relatively arbitrary, especially if you both have known each other for a long, long time. I love your question. Uh, it's relatively simple for me. Your body is your body. What you choose is what you choose. And um, you need to find someone who honors your values. You found that. High five. Good for you. All right, let's go to, um, you know what? Let's take a quick break. Let's pay some bills. We'll be right back. The world has become more and more chaotic and uncertain and loud. And it seems that everyone has anxiety. I've been there and so have you. It's why I wrote this small, direct, and personal book called Redefining Anxiety. In this book, I discuss what anxiety is, what it's not, and how you can get back on the road of being whole and well. Listen, 
You are not broken. And I'm living proof that you can get your life back. I wrote this book so everyone could read it, not just science nerds like me and my friends. And I priced it at 10 bucks so that everyone can afford it. This little book landed on the bestseller list and is now being purchased by the case and given away in counseling offices, universities, churches, and homes across the country. I don't care if you're a teenager or an executive or a 75-year-old grandmother, this book is for everyone. So go to johndeloney.com and get your copy of Redefining Anxiety today. Hey, what's up? We are back. Let's go to Candace in Victoria, British Columbia. What's up, Candace? How are we doing? Good. How are you? Good. Everything going well? Yes, everything is. Fantastic. All right, so how can I help? What's up? So I am 41, and I've struggled with my weight all of my life. And uh, in surgery... It took the big step to have weight loss surgery, and um, basically, I realized like it's a tool, and I still need to do a lot of work. It's not going to fix everything for me. Mm, yes. And so, I want to get to the root of emotional eating, and so that I can have like success long term for my kids, and my husband, and myself. Oh, very cool! Thank you so much for your trust and call here. So. Um, to recap, you just had weight loss surgery. How recently did you have this? In January, beginning of January. Oh, so super recently. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, have you seen just the, the, the weight loss dive that just falls off at the very beginning? Yes, definitely. I've lost 60 pounds. 60 pounds. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, um, your call was a little bit muffled. So you're asking about, um, or you're understanding now, hey, this weight's falling off, yet um, Candace went with Candace before the surgery and after surgery, and you're still the same beautiful woman looking at yourself in the mirror, and you're recognizing that same six-year-old girl still looking back at you, and you want to know how to get to the root of this thing. For the listener, you're 60 pounds down. This is confetti falling from the ceiling. Everybody's cheering. Yeah. What are you still feeling, though? Um, I guess so. What it comes down to is my parents. I've watched them through my whole life struggle with weight, mm-hmm. and I um, now, you know, like they're in their sixties, and their health is really not good. Yeah. And part of what helped me have this push to do this was I want to be the grandparent that's able to do stuff with my grandkids, and I want to mm-hmm. be active and I just want a healthy future. And so, um, I guess just seeing their struggle and, and where they're at has really just made me go, okay, I need to do everything that I can do. And, um, yeah. And I just, I guess I need to find some other sort of coping mechanisms. Yeah. (laughs) So. So what are, is there anything big that you're coping from or is this just the model you picked up for everyday life? Meaning, I would ask what your ACEs score is, what your adverse childhood experiences. Did you have trauma as a kid? Did you have abuse as a kid? Or were y'all just a family who loved eating and y'all were just a, a larger family? Um, good question. It's, um, I guess maybe... Um, kind of both like um, I, my, I have two siblings and they and my sisters both of them neither of them struggled with weight so, okay okay um, yeah but it's it comes down to like 
I think it stems from I, when I hit elementary school age, I was bullied a lot in mm-hmm. school. It wasn't until about high school that I actually enjoyed <laughs> some of my school years. Um, and so I think that definitely played a part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like no abuse really, just. Well, hey, getting middle school can lodge itself in our souls, man, and it can stay there for a long time. So, what did those what did those evil middle school kids what did they pick on you about? They picked on me about my weight. So it was something I was already uh, sort of feeling insecure about. So, like as early as I can remember, it's kind of been. And middle uh, schoolers are ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and so are you able to – something has happened now that you've lost 60 pounds and you've got um, so much more to go. Something has emerged here that has made you go, oh, this is just a tool, not a solution. What's popped <laughs> up the last few weeks? Um, well, like I said, like my – I've watched – my dad's health go down no no not not um, that not that what's no? w- what okay. about you you what are so me? good at deflecting you're you're really good at this <laughs> what, <laughs> what have you experienced over the last few weeks um i will i think it comes down to the fact that i've kind of replaced that um behavior like so i haven't been emotionally eating but i sort of replace the behavior with like just staying busy and I'm getting to the point where I realize like I can't just stay busy and distract myself all the time because I'm getting tired <laughs> yeah okay all right yeah and so when you get tired and you plop yeah. down just to watch a show with your husband yeah is that when the old food demons come out or just the default I don't even call them demons just the the default behaviors um, yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, my husband's really supportive, but he often will have a snack or whatever when he watches a show, and I just kind of sit beside him and just try not to partake in that, right? So, <laughs> I'm not hungry, right? Hey, that so. is a losing, I, you're better. you're a better woman than me, man. I can't sit there when someone's eating a snack and just watch it happen, right? Um, yeah. So here's the thing, in the short term... Yeah. What you're going to do – a couple well, a couple things here. I want – and you probably went through some sort of – did you go through some sort of pre-surgery? Did they give you stuff to read or counseling or anything like that before the surgery? Um, yeah, we, you had to um, meet with a dietitian okay. for six months and yeah. Okay. Um, so and a specialist. did they walk you through there, – there is – it's very common when somebody loses a lot of weight all at once. Mm-hmm. like on the back of a of a surgery like this that there ends up being some major relational challenges not that it can't be overcome but it just changes the dynamic did they mm-hmm. talk to you about that no they did encourage me to to you know seek like counseling okay. or speak to a psychologist but unfortunately okay. like my husband is a pastor so we don't have it's not something you make a lot of money at so it wasn't something we could pay out of pocket for. Gotcha. So here's what I want you to do. I want your husband to go to his church leadership, Mm -hmm. and I want him to ask them to 
pay for y'all to go to a few months of marriage counseling during this transition time. And not that there's anything wrong, but y'all are going to need to learn new tools on how to talk to each other, how to have fun together. It's just going to change the dynamic of your relationship. And as some of the walls come down, metaphorically and figuratively, some of those middle school voices are going to come back really loud. Okay. And they will make their way out in your relationship in weird ways. It's just some of his basic, hey, I just want to sit down on the couch. He just wants to plop down on the couch and grab something to eat. He's going to need to be a part of the whole family's healing, right? And it's easy for that to turn into little seeds of resentment or frustration. Like, oh, I just want to, but right. And so what you want to do is head that stuff off way upstream. And so I don't know any group of church leaders who wouldn't help out their pastor in this way. And it's the right thing for them to do. They can afford it, and they need to make that available to y'all. Okay? Okay. And so okay. If, if I'm him, I'm having that conversation at my next elders meeting, or I'm reaching out to somebody tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing is, is I want you to maybe for the first time think of things that you love, that you absolutely love, that you love to do, that you've always wanted to try, that you want to be interested in, you're going to need to learn new things. And this is part of the frustration and part of the super excitement here, okay? You are entering into a whole new adventure, and it's not just going to be everything the way it was, Candace minus 100 pounds. What's your final goal? Do you have a final goal there? Yeah, I'd like to reach 160. Yeah. You want you want that to be your final weight or you want to be have lost 160 pounds? Oh, sorry. No, so lose 100. Okay, all right. Awesome. Um so that be your final goal. You know, you hear me say this on the show a lot. Whatever you end up doing, however wonderful your goals and adventures are, mm-hmm. always remember that Wherever you end up, Candace goes with you. And you want Candace to know some new tools, to have some new skills, to have some new things that she loves so that when you are down 100 pounds, you're not just the same, those same loud voices, the same patterns, the same re- repetitive things that you do, the same habits in your life. Mm-hmm. You want to have a whole new set of tools to, to draw from, right? So after... You get home, instead of sitting down watching the couch, we just go for walks because that's what we do. And we have a joke of the day. We tell our favorite thing of the day and the hardest part of the day. We go to the gym together. We're not ever going to a stupid gym. I hate the gym, but we're going to do some exercises in our garage together. We're going to go out with the kids and kick a soccer ball until I'm so tired I am laughing so hard. Like Whatever those things are. And they're going to be awkward and wonky at first. And then you're going to say, after two months, I hate this. I don't like whatever this is. Or you're going to think, I never, ever, ever dreamed I would love kicking a soccer ball with my kids, but now I love, love it. And in fact, I love picking up the soccer ball and drilling one of my kids with it. That's even funny, right? Whatever those things are, (laughs) knitting, singing, songwriting, writing a book, writing a blog, whatever those things are, learning algebra for the first time, I don't care what it is, but I want you to... Spend some time with your husband dreaming about what life's going to look like, what life can look like. Get real clear pictures together and then just start trying cool stuff. Just start learning new habits. If you spend your whole life trying not to do things, that's got a short-term life to it. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. You are changing who you were into, I'm the kind of person, not the kind of person, I'm not going to lose 100 pounds. I'm the kind of person who plays soccer with their kids, right? I'm the kind of person who always has a joke ready. I'm the kind of person who will wrestle with my kids on the floor. I'm the kind of person who will pour ice down my husband's back while he's sitting on his recliner, whatever the things are. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I want you to um, order Atomic Habits by – I just lost it. Yeah, James Clear, duh. Um, I want you to order that book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, and I want you to read that book. It is um, simple, clear, um, no pun intended. Ah, see what I did there? And it is a remarkable book on how to learn to live in, with a different path, with, in a different way. And um, I think you will really benefit from that book. I want to tell you, I am so excited that you've decided you're, you're reverse engineering a long, beautiful life, which is I want to be 80 rolling around on the floor with my grandkids. I want to be able to sit on the floor with them and play Legos or blocks or dolls or dinosaurs or whatever kids do. By, by then, I don't know. You'll be in some digital universe of some sort, but I want to be able to play with my kids. I want to be able to take them to the zoo and laugh. I want to be able to fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. And that means I got to start changing who I am and my health and behaviors and life now. And that's going to alter my marriage. It's going to alter my kids. It's going to alter my faith life. It's going to alter everything. And so I'm going to do the things up right now. They're going to make that possible. Good for you for taking a big scary step and, and having the weight loss surgery. You're down 60. You are more than halfway to your goal. But now the real work starts, which is changing Candace's picture of herself, which is changing Candace's behavior, which is changing Candace's and her husband's marriage, which is changing the household. Little step by little step by little step. I'm so proud of you. Check out that book. Make sure your husband calls um, his his leadership team, and they're going to pay for you all to go to counseling for a few months. They've got to. They've got to. They've got to. If they don't, I've got a partnership with BetterHelp. So go to BetterHelp.com slash Deloney, and they will give you some discounted um, relationship counseling. Um, give them a shout if you can't get to in-person counseling there. Thank you so much for the call, Candice. We are so excited and proud of you. Keep us um, abreast on your journey. Give us a shout as you make that uh, journey. Let's take one more call. Let's go to Bob in Phoenix, Arizona. What's up, B.O.B.? How can I help, man? Hey, I really appreciate the call. Thanks for uh, taking my call. And thanks, Kelly, for getting me on the show. I really appreciate uh, really appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to talk to you today. So me and my wife found out we were pregnant with our first child. Okay. When, when, did, you find, when did you find out? Uh, November. November, okay. Yeah. And then a couple weeks later, we found out that we were supposed to have twins. Whoa, Okay. Yeah, and which I was really excited for because that's kind of what I wanted. She has twins that run in her family. Okay. And then we found out that we lost one of the twins. Ah, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, so it's apparently it's a, a common thing called a vanishing twin, mm. um, but it sucks yeah. because we have, it's our first kid, and then we found out that we we're having two, and now we're back to one, yeah. which, you know, the, the one is super healthy, everything looks great, which we're super thankful about that, but it's how do we, how do we mourn the one, but still be happy about the other? And then how do we make sure it's not, you know, living in a shadow yeah. of this, you know, on un- this thing that it can never live up to. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for your trust on this call, dude. Um, that hurts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's hard, dude. Um, when when's your your baby gonna be born? July twenty fifth or seventh. I know I should know that better. Hey, dude, just pick a date. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're gonna be wrong either way. <laughs> um, yeah, you probably want to when the your, your when your kid is actually born. You're gonna want to hang on to that date. That's just a good one. Just yeah. to keep in mind. <laughs> um, but right now, everybody's just guessing. So. Here's the big picture is this. Um, the grief is real and the grief hurts, and you're going to get all kinds of the stupidest, dumbest advice and recommendations <laughs> and all these idiotic sayings that people knit into pillows. They're going to be giving them to you, right? Yeah. And do the best you can. This is, this is not going to help a lot. Do the best you can to recognize that people are doing the best they can with very limited tools and that people are often very crude and they can hurt each other with their grief, their pithy little grief statements. Right. And, um, don't hang on to any of that nonsense. Cause it's going to weigh you and your wife down. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is fully recognize that you and your wife are going to grieve this thing very, very differently. Yeah. And that often divides couples up and it's hard to walk back once you get divided there. And so make sure you have a weekly, if not um, biweekly check-in time. Hey, how, how are we doing? How are you doing? And give her, don't try to solve it. Don't try to give her advice. Don't try, just give space to each other for grieving this thing differently. Okay. Um, I misjudge this horrifically when we experience something similar. And, um, man, I gave a lot of lectures and a lot of charts and a lot of spreadsheets and graphs, and it was wholly unhelpful. And, in fact, it was not only unhelpful, I hurt my wife and um, pretty significantly. I, I, I did not handle this well. And so um, give space for each other to speak. So um, I knew this call was coming, so I reached out to a friend of mine and um, – her job is having hard conversations with parents and little kids. And I said, hey, give me some thoughts on um, what are ways you've seen this this play out and not be successful and be successful. Here's a couple of recommendations that she made. The first thing is, is no full and good. It's okay to talk about the um, the lost twin with the baby, with the young kid. It's okay to have a two or three or four year old and to have an extra cupcake at the table. If you want to remember and honor um, this, this lost life in that way. Um, she told me about couples who will write letters once a month until the baby's born. Um, after the baby's born for the first year, they'll just write a letter saying, Hey, we miss you. And um, here's some things that have happened in your brother's life or in your sister's life. And um, we miss you, and we can't wait to see you again. And they've, she told me about one family that wrote letters, and they put it inside of a balloon, and they let the balloon go, and they do this on every birthday. The key here is not squashing the grief and not trying to pretend it didn't happen, and also not trying to shield everybody from it, making it a normed part of the experience, and potentially in year three, four, five, or six, or seven, or eight, or nine, or whatever it looks like, um, 
That candle may becomes or that cupcake maybe becomes a quick prayer. That cupcake may turn into a quick statement, or that cupcake may be there forever, right? And it's incorporating that into the fabric and narrative of your family, not acting like it didn't exist. A lot of parents will feel like if I bring it up, it's going to make my other child, the surviving child, feel less than, and it won't. It won't. Um, If you're overwhelmed with grief at first birthday, then somebody is going to hold the kid or grandmother's going to play with with your kid, and then you're going to just go take a walk around the block real quick. Or your wife's going to step out into another room and um, cry her eyes out for a minute and then come back into the party. Grieving is going to look different for everybody and make space for it. And also make sure you keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up because there is something beautiful about having to be there. It gives you a job. It gives you something to do amidst that grief, right? Right. Um, And then find some people in your life you can talk to about it and um, that aren't going to give you stupid sayings. If you're like me, um, I found out there was this whole secret club that I didn't know existed of dads who were grieving miscarriages and they weren't allowed to talk about it. And it ended up being a weird, really remarkable group um, that we all were able to have conversations and talk about stuff. And um, then their wives and we all talked and it just became this whole group I didn't know existed, right? People walking around with this type of pain all the time. Um, So when I say, hey, write write your – this young one a letter. Give him a name. Write him a letter. Um, Talk to your wife about it. How, How does that sound? Does that sound good? That's something yeah, y'all can no, do? I think that's, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, when Dr. Jennings told me about the balloon idea, I really connected with that one. I love the idea of my one-year-old just getting a crayon and making their chaotic serial killer scratch on a <laughs> piece of paper. And then me and my wife writing a quick note just saying, hey, we miss you. And we, we, we can't wait to see you again someday. And putting that in a balloon and letting it just go where it's going to go. Um, and floating up in this, that there's just something symbolic about that, that I love. Um, and it feels beautiful, but at the end of the day, acknowledge that grief. It's real. It is acknowledge each other's grief. And then you're going to love this baby. You're going to, the thing you're going to have to worry about is hugging this baby too much. And that's not even a thing you can do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, it will not be weird if when this baby's born, it's the greatest, most extraordinary day, and you're kind of heartbroken at the same time. That's okay. It's okay if you cry so hard you can, you're worried you're going to drop this, this new kid. That's okay, too. And it's okay if you are so excited and you're holding this baby and your wife's crying. All of that is okay. There's not a right way to do this. There's a couple of wrong ways, but there's not a right way. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yeah, that all makes sense. <laughs> hey, listen, Bob, it doesn't make any sense. Not even a little <laughs> bit. It's a mess, right? Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the, it's the worst. Yeah. So why don't you all do that together tonight? Um, this is going to be awkward and, and super intimate. And I'm, I am playing with fire here because you have an eight-month pregnant wife, right? Or a seven-month pregnant yeah, I want y'all to each write this um, write this baby a letter. And I want you to read it to each other, and that's going to give you each a key insight into each other's grief, right? How each of you are handling this situation. 
or feeling this handling is a bad way to say that how y'all are feeling about this situation um read it to each other and there'll probably be tears there will be hugs there will be hard conversations there'll just be silence all that is good and all that's right and when this baby's born healthy and hollering and yelling and your whole life gets turned upside down i want you to give me a call back and let me know how everybody's doing and we will walk alongside you during this process and i'm thrilled for you and thank you so so much for your call comparing grief is a fool's errand you feel what you're going to feel and this is y'all's new adventure man and this baby's lucky 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 to have you as her dad bob all right as we wrap up today's show man we're going back to the queen 2008 Man, listen, single ladies, you got to put a ring on it. So saith Queen Beyonce. James and Kelly are both dancing right now. Zach, both thumbs are up. All the single ladies, now put your hands up, up in the club. We just broke up. I'm doing my own little thing and decided to dip. And now you want to trip because another brother noticed me? I'm up on him. He up on me. Don't pay him any attention. Just cried my tears for three good years. You can't be mad at me. Because if you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. If you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. Don't be mad once you see that he won it. If you liked it, you should have put a ring on it. I got gloss on my lips, a man on my hips, got me tighter in my Deron jeans. I don't even know what those are. I wear Levi's. Acting up, drinking my cup, I can care less what you think. If you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. So saith the queen. This has been the Dr. John Deloney Show.